Sang Show. Hello, beautiful human. I am Zach. That is Dan. We welcome to the studio. Uh, I mean, I I should say Griff. Yeah. But like your real name, I hear you know people people call you Sarah. People do call me Sarah. You can call me whatever you want. Uh, welcome, Griff, to the studio. Thanks. Hey. I'm very excited to be here. I asked, <laughs> did you make your dress? Oh, everyone asks me this, and it's like a lot of pressure every time to rock up with a homemade outfit. And the answer is no. So the answer this time is no. I'm sorry. But that's okay. Yeah. When did you start making your own clothes, though? Um, it was around. Well, in the UK, we call it sixth form, so it's kind of like 16 to 18. Okay. I took textiles. Started to learn how to sew and then simultaneously I was like trying to be an artist and do photo shoots and when you're starting off, I mean even still to be honest, you're like, can I really afford a stylist? No. So then I just like started making loads of stuff and then it's kind of stuck. Like where did that, so so it's born out of a want to fulfill a vision that you have and the inability to like pay somebody else to do it. So you do it on your own. Basically. Yeah. I mean, I think all this, like I just loved, I really like fell in love with clothes and dresses and like making stuff. And all of the stuff that I loved were like, you know, like two grand dresses. There was no way I could like (laughs) have that on my body. So I just like imitate and like make my own version and be like, that'll do the job. Like, cool. (laughs) What comes first, making music or making art like that? I'm making music for sure. Because yeah. it's all art, like at the end of the day. Yeah, I guess so. I think the the clothes making has just made maybe been like an assistance to making the music thing look nice. <laughs> your your quest for music, uh, like in music, is pretty wild. Mm. Um, mainly because like it, it, your life is really interesting. I, I had okay. no. Uh, you have siblings, but your family ends up taking in a bunch of foster er, er, children. Yeah. Wow. Well researched. Well, the, I mean, you have a song about it, but it also yeah. I know that's an interesting way to live, right? Because you're sharing your parents with... Yeah. I mean, it's hard to comprehend a little bit. Yeah, it's weird. It's kind of all that I know because we started fostering children when I was like eight years old. So my two older brothers were older than me. So I guess it's kind of just you you quickly... Kids adapt really quickly, you know, whether it's the foster kids or whether it's me. So it's kind of just became a new normal quite quickly. And I think the like chaos in the house meant that... I really use music to just shut away and figure out how I'm feeling and stuff. So, Does that come from a, a, a lack of having somebody to talk to? Because like, I think about it from two ways. Like, As a kid, you have a rotating group of siblings mm-hmm. because you don't know how long they're going to be there for. No, it was years sometimes. Sometimes and it, it's weeks. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. <laughs> so from an attachment standpoint, like, yeah. how do you even know? Yeah, it's strange. It's like the hardest job ever because you're... Well, not that it's my job. My mom's the real hero with it, but you're kind of it's a job but you can't be professional with it because it's like you've got to love these kids that are very broken and coming with all sorts of trauma and stuff so you kind of just have to throw yourself into it and throw your heart into it and then for the benefit of the kid and then whatever happens after is again for the benefit of the kid's future and then we'll just (laughs) figure it out (laughs) you have to be so empathetic and compassionate and caring yeah i think so i mean my mom's the best at it i i was just kind of it was just as a kid, like I said, it's just what happened. But I think it was good. I think it taught me to just get on with it and um, not be so selfish, maybe. I don't know. Well, yeah, but, but music ends up becoming a conversation or a place for you to at least go, right? Yeah. Because if your mom's being distracted by, not distracted, but you have to give a lot of love and care to to any new child that's coming yeah, into any new situation. Play. Yeah, the most. Yeah, yeah. So much. Yeah. And then you have a rotating group of siblings that you can't really attach yourself to. Mm-hmm. And then music has to become some sort of outlet in terms of... 
I think it did. I think in hindsight, I look back. I mean, we still foster, so it's still part of my life. Um, That's wild. Yeah, it's it's really cool though. And like some of the kids that um, we looked after when I was super young now started seeing me do music and they're like teenagers now. It's it's a very cool, strange thing. It's really um, special. Yeah, but I feel very lucky to um, have had that as part of my upbringing because it is quite a unique way of understanding family and love and relationships. So, yeah. And selflessness and sharing and, yeah, but you end up figuring out a way to express yourself in a way that, like, so many people feel understood by, but ends up... I hope so. <laughs> they do. Thanks. From all walks of life. Thanks. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So, whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So, download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Also gives you, I mean, I don't want to say like a way out because I don't think you were making music necessarily to find a way out, but like gives you access to a whole other universe. Is that fair to say? Yeah, definitely. I think it was, um, I think it was the thing that made me feel confident and in control, you know, because um, where I grew up, it was also very, very like middle class, quintessential British white town as well. So there's, there was a lot of levels, I think, to my childhood where you do naturally just feel on the outside. And so I think music was my, like, the thing that kind of made me feel confident and in control and something that I could have, could really, like, yeah, be myself in, I guess. Yeah. How do you f even learn how to make music? <laughs> uh, I don't know. There's no rule book. Uh, I, how did I do it? I don't know. I've, I've always been a very independent kid. So I, my, my brother started playing. My dad actually was really musical, is really musical. Um, and he's got an amazing voice and he never like pursued it professionally or anything. But um, I think that's how it all started. And then I just started teaching myself logic at some point. I think I was like maybe 10 or something. You use your brother's laptop. Yeah. <laughs> so my brother was really into production. So my dad got him a laptop. Um, and so I was kind of watching from the sidelines. And then when he wasn't on it, I'd like jump on. And I think like, you know, as a kid, you like just sing into like, whatever voice memo thing there's like loads of memes about that that was essentially my version of it like I'd just sing covers basically and then I'd be like oh I can harmonize to myself so I'll put a harmony down and then oh I feel like it needs some drums so I'll put some drums in and most of the time it would sound terrible but it was like you have so much time as a kid so it's actually like just a pastime for me yeah really you did like I always forget that like growing up you just had time yeah exactly you come home from school and um you know, back in the day, it wasn't so like screens and TikTok or anything. It's just like, get home, make some music, go bad. <laughs> that was kind of how it was. Do you remember the first time you decided to like do something original and write your feelings and emotions down? Um, I can't remember the exact moment. I remember my first full song. I think I must have been in year eight, so I, 13 maybe. I remember like coming home from school um, and being like quite in my feels about like all the new girls in school and whatever. And um, I wrote a song called like Target. It was terrible. I'm not going to sing it for you, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that was like my first full song where I was like, wow, this is a huge pop song. <laughs> um, so yeah. And then the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> but it was bred out of your reality. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think the best 
art is. Well, I think it's just how you naturally process stuff. And I think as like, you speak to any songwriter, I think that's just what you do. You just write and you don't really, I wasn't conscious of what I was doing. Like it was only later when I started playing demos for people and they were like, oh my God, you like, she produces all on her own. And I was, I didn't realize that was such a big thing. I didn't realize that was such like a selling point or whatever for me. It was just like, yeah, I'm just going to make stuff. I don't know how to get into sessions with producers. So I'm going to just try and produce, I guess. You know? I mean, your most recent mixtape was all made in your bedroom. Yeah. Yeah. In lockdown. Yeah. And the EP that's coming, Vertigo, that's what it's called, right? Well, yeah, it's a, I'm trying to figure out what I'm, it's definitely a project. So it's a bigger project and I'm, I'm doing it in phases. Okay. And so volume one is coming. Um, I just wanted to break it up because it's been a while since I've released music. And there's been a lot of songs that I've written, so I'm going to put volume one out this side of the year and then the rest we'll figure out. All those songs, were they also done in your bedroom? Or are they done in actual studios? What changes? Um, this process has been funny because I guess the way I've learned how to write has been like, I think I'm my best when I'm like in a very low pressure, solitary environment. Mm. Um and so the first batch of music I released was just songs I'd written in school that I just, I didn't even think they'd be signed or anything. And they get you signed via SoundCloud, right? Yeah, exactly, which was great. And then the mixtape, COVID happened. So I had that kind of time to be in my fields or whatever. And then COVID ended and suddenly touring was a thing. And that was like a whole new discipline that I'd never known or learned. And so I was very lucky enough to go on the road a lot for the last year or so. Well, The Brits was only your second performance ever. Yeah, yeah, it was crazy. It was like, I did like a tiny little 200 cap room in London. COVID happened. <laughs> and I think it was during COVID that I found out I'd won The Brit and that the whole performance was a part of it. And so suddenly I was like, right, so my next show is like on national TV. This is kind of terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> um, so with all that to be said, the way that I had to write this next batch of music was very different. and. And I actually ended up like in between all the tours that I've been on. I'd like go home, pack up like my speakers, my MIDI keyboard, my interface, put it all in my like very shitty car, book an Airbnb somewhere, drive to the countryside and try and force myself to like be creative for a period until I had to like get back on the road or something. So I think all in all, I probably hired out like seven or eight Airbnbs and that's kind of how this whole like project has been written. So sick, quite nomadic, I guess. Just you though? Um, a bit of both. Like... It's funny, I like, I remember with the house that I wrote Vertigo and it was like this huge, um, like so many bedrooms and I walked in and the engineer was waiting and he was like, oh, so is your team joining? I was like, nope, it's just gonna be me. I just need to like figure out where I'm at right now. Um, and then like now and again, I'd call up friends and I'd call up my friend um, Sam, who's helped me on a lot on this project and um, Lost Boy and Seba, who I wrote Black Hole with. So it's been a very contained team really, yeah. But you're keeping consistency between the last project to what you're doing now? Yeah, I think so. I think, I don't know. I tried not to overthink. My just big team, like who you're working with? Yeah, well, I, th I, I think with most artists and creatives, your natural habitat is like being a studio rat. And so the contrast of like being thrown out on tour and doing all these things and having to be on camera all the time and stuff meant that when it came back to the writing process, I actually couldn't process writing with new people. I really just needed like to be with my mates and just feel like low pressure and feel like there wasn't a massive label or something waiting for an album. <laughs> also, like, why would you fix what's not broken? Like, you have something so. special with them and yeah, to, so. like, go to the calm when the, sto like, when the storm is over. Like, you know what I mean? You have to I think, think so, about yeah. it. You can just, 
you pick up where you left off. Yeah, I think with like all the big sessions and stuff, like most artists go through it where you do the speed dating and this person's written this hit and this person's written this hit. But it, I think because songwriting is such a sacred thing for me, it just always felt a little bit forced or manufactured. And for me, I just needed to like be very secluded. So that's been my process. Could you make the case that Black Hole changed your life? Uh, I guess so. I don't know. It's really phenomenal. Thanks. Where are you at when you write that? And by the way, like people sent that song to me. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like, yeah, like, yeah, I don't know. It like very, was very relevant in my life. Like where That's are you? That's great. Yeah. Where are you at when you write that? Um, what happened? I, that one kind of fell out. It's funny with songs because I don't think you ever know what, what is going to connect and what isn't. Like when I wrote that one, I wasn't totally sure that that was like, it all going to be really successful. I was like, mm, is it a bit too pop? I don't know. Um, but I just like like the lyrics. I just started singing like, da, 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 and it kind of felt right to say like a big black hole where my heart used to be. <laughs> and so, yeah. I mean, you have to experience that to write that, no? Or do you yeah. take somebody else's reality and make it your own? No, I think, you ex I think I've definitely experienced it. I think the beauty of songwriting for me so far as well is that it doesn't... Um, doesn't always have to be super romantic. I think as I started writing songs so young, I couldn't relate to like those like really detailed romantic lyrics that I love listening, li like hearing Taylor write, you know? Like when you're young, you're like, oh, I haven't been through that heartbreak, but actually I do feel heartbroken. And I think heartbreak exists like in so many other forms than just romantic. So whether it's like family or friends right. or disappointment is everywhere. So I think that's why I still find it really easy to write sad songs, you know? That's so true. <laughs> yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Disappointment is everywhere. Yeah, exactly. And it comes in all forms. Yeah, I know. It's like in the tiny things, it's in the big things. How often do you write? Like, are you always jotting things down? Do you a lot time to do it? Or do you only write when you feel? Um, no, I'm pretty much always writing. I think that's what I've struggled with the most, like with touring is that I, I only know to like write songs every day. And then suddenly that wasn't the job anymore. And like, I had to like give my energy and time into something else. Um, so that felt quite unnatural for me. Um, but I guess you've you've got to always like find inspiration in the mundane things. So I think I try and always be aware and alert. And even if I'm not like physically at a piano writing, I'm like, you might have said something and I might write it down in my notes and come back to it another time or something like that. How many songs did you write before you got a song that you really liked? Uh, for this project? For anything. Um, the ratio is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I make a lot and, and throw away a lot. Um, like even for this project, I, there was about a hundred songs in that Dropbox folder. Wow. Yeah. I write a lot. <laughs> and you narrow it down to what? I'm not sure yet. I'm not, I haven't decided how long the album will be, but I don't know if it'll be too long. I narrow it down to like 15. I don't know. Vertigo is really phenomenal though. The, the, the record is like, I don't know. I, I feel I've never experienced Vertigo. Well, I've experienced mm. anxiety attacks, mm. which kind of feels somewhat similar, but not really just like this idea of like overwhelming shit that is totally out of your control. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've seen loads of people in the comments being like, what the hell is this lyric? Virgo isn't being scared of heights. And I'm like, oh guys, just give me some creative license. Like, <laughs> um, and I think when I when I talk about the word vertigo, I don't really mean it in like a, a literal, like um, physical sense. I think it's more in like an emotional sense. I think all of these songs have been written from a like a place of emotional vertigo. So, yeah. Is it, So that's the through line that connects all of them. Yeah. Do you set expectations for a project like this before you get started? Um, Knowing that it's going to be something larger too. 
Uh, I tried not to. I tried not. To. I think you do. I think naturally you do. And, I, and then I try and block that out because otherwise you drive yourself crazy and nothing feels good enough. But I, I mean that like from a creative stance too. Like every time I ask that question, people feel like, I mean like Grammys, dad, right. whatever. But yeah. the reality is like, that's very much creative. Like yeah. you could have done something in the mixtape that you want to do differently this time or whatever yeah. it may be. You know, it's like more in the process and creativity as opposed to. Yeah. I think my only expectation was that I always want it to be better than anything I've released so far. And I want it to be truthful and I want it to feel I don't know, some kind of fresh take from myself. I don't know. I think you're your own competition in that sense. So for me, the only expectation was that I just wanted it to be like great pop that people love, you know? Is that genuinely how you categorize your music? Um, as pop? I actually don't know. I've leaned into it because I think when I started, I was I didn't and I was scared of it, but that's because I think that's, it became quite a dirty word. But I think it's like a great word. I what? love pop. Why has it become dirty? Because I think people associated with something that's manufactured and maybe not very authentic and very commercial and therefore doesn't have as much heart. But I don't think so. I think my favorite pop is still really credible and beautiful. So, yeah. Where does a song like Remembering My Dreams fall in your life today? Ah, oh, I'm glad you like that one. Um... Yeah, God, that's like a deep, that's a deep cut. <laughs> that's a deep dive. That's uh, special. Thanks. Yeah, I loved that one. That one was like, I mean, actually it was in COVID. I think everyone was having mad dreams. And um, I think there is a sense of like when you've, uh, when your brain subconsciously brings up someone or something, it's frustrating because it's out of your control. And it's like in the daytime, I can try and be super distracted. But at night, if it all is rushing back, that's so frustrating, you know, so. I think it still still feels quite true. Oh fuck yeah! Yeah, it's yeah. rough. Yeah, <laughs> because it only goes away once you're distracted. But the second you're left is your own mind. Yeah, exactly. It's like the silence at the end of the day, which you kind of dread when you're in a state of sadness. <laughs> totally. Yeah. By the way, again, sadness caused by anything. Yeah, exactly. What are you thinking, Dan? Did you actually write Vertigo over one note? Yeah. H how? <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, we were like, I was in the studio with Sam, who helped me produce this, and he started doing that 808, like, do 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 And I was feeling quite inspired, so I was like, just hit record. And I've actually got like a half an hour long voice note of it. But because because sometimes you don't want to let, oh, the magic, that sounds so cheesy, <laughs> whatever, the, the flow or the creativity go, you're like, okay, just let's, we'll figure out chords after. So it felt good, and I was just making all these melodies over one note, and so... That was basically the song. So we put in some chords around it, but essentially you can write and sing the whole song over that one D major note, which is, I mean, maybe really lazy. I don't know. <laughs> I'm like the opposite of Jacob Collier. <laughs> By the way, he's coming here in 45 minutes. No way. Yeah. Oh yeah. No that's way. so weird that that's you just such a coincidence. mentioned that. No yeah. way. Well, you know, I feel like he has a million and one notes happening in his brain all the time, whereas oh, yeah. Vertigo... <laughs> yeah, it's really quite it's easy. One. Yeah, yeah. Anyone can play it. Yeah, yeah. It's really one for the people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's crazy that he's coming. Yeah, you're a people's musician. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's not make things complicated. Yeah. Anybody can sing it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like a nursery rhyme. Da 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 da. Fucking amazing. Thanks. Um <laughs> Wait, you really all open for a lot of people. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um I've I mean I'm very 
um, blessed. It was like all offers I can't say no to. It's like amazing. Yeah. yeah. Are we learning with these shows? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, gosh, the the first tour I did was Dua Lipa, which was amazing. That was like three months. That was the first time I've ever really toured. That's wild. Yeah, so, that so you learn everything. I mean, God, it was like a real learning curve. It was like learning everything from like, you know, which direction you should sleep in a tour bus to like how to perform to like a whole arena worth of people to like watching, um, you know, do is probably like the latest incredible female pop that's broken from the UK. So in that mm-hmm. sense, you're learning so much as well. And you feel like you're standing on her shoulders in a way. I don't know. Um, so yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot to learn basically. Is UK pop different than the pop that's made it here in the US? Yeah. Yeah. The industry is quite different. Totally. Yeah. It's strange. It's, it's, yeah, I don't know. When you come here, you just, everything's so vast here. You guys are a bit more, um, you have a lot more genres that are popular here, I think. And it feeds into pop music. Yeah. I think the UK music industry is like a, bit of a rep for all kind of sounding the same <laughs> interesting um, yeah 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 if you turn on the radio it's got, there's kind of like a bubblegum pop feel that um, exists how many Joel Corey records can be played at once <laughs> Joel's great he's, Joel's he is so great. sweet like yeah he's amazing yeah. but seriously there's just a lot of Joel Corey on the radio in the UK he kills it I know yeah yeah, yeah. it's like the dance music thing is quite a big thing in, in the UK I'm not sure really what it is but yeah yeah what is it um I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Brits just love it. Brits love a drop. Brits love, you know, just like a little two finger in the air. Um, so I think maybe something around that. I don't know. I'm not really like a dance music head. So Yeah, they're not really playing ballads over on Capitol. Well, it's weird because they are. I mean, we, I guess we Brits are also very known for like our sad music. I mean, Adele and oh, yeah. Lewis and Ed so th- and Sam. I think like when it's done, it's done really like beautifully and raw and, and in an amazing way. So there's like a bit of a, a split, I guess. Yeah. It is interesting. Yeah, it's weird. But you come here and everything's a little different and the sound is different and it's cool. That's why I like coming here. It is. It's much, it's very diverse. Yeah. Uh, it, we were like out of a, I mean, at the end of the day, you'll hear the same song every 32 minutes on the radio <laughs> in America, but songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The genres are different. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's like inspiring. It feels like, um, Creativity can exist in a different way here. It's cool. That's pretty sick. Yeah. I don't think of it like that ever, you don't? but it's true. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I think so. I think cause, uh, you guys are just, it's just a bigger place. Yeah. And so more stuff happens and there's more, there's, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to break through though. And it, radio in general is very homogenized. You know, it, they're playing the same shit every 32 minutes and they're run mm. by the same people, but it's the same thing in the UK, you know? Same thing in the UK. I know. Totally. It's everywhere. I know it's bizarre. It's it's like a whole side of stuff you don't um, think about when you're like just writing songs, and then you get into it and radio play and all that kind of stuff is part of the conversation. Well, it's like, access. It's access to distribution and platforms, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I think that's what I. When it comes to writing music, I try and not let that influence things too much because it can, you know. P- can get very obsessive with like, oh, oh, did we get played? Did we get playlisting? Should it be more radio sounding? It's like, what does that even mean? You know, strange. It doesn't mean anything. I know, it's the beast of the music industry. Yeah, it fucking sucks. Strange thing, yeah. Yeah, it is really strange. (laughs) But, you know, I don't know. At the end of the day, like, good music is like a tennis ball underwater. It always finds its way to people and to the top and like, it'll, it'll figure itself out. You know, Chris Martin said something very similar to me. He said... Just good music will find its way, so don't stress about it. So, that great minds think alike. Nah. Mm. 
he really is incredible. He gave me some of the best advice of my life. Like yeah. he went, I guess their first album was Coldplay was incredible, obviously. Mm. Changed your life. And the second album to him felt different because they went from like a farmhouse, like a big studio. And mm. he told me some advice. Like we were we'd moved to like this little tiny thing, tiny studio to like a big old studio when we had met him and just felt different. And mm. he just gave me a bunch of advice that really changed the way I looked at things in my life. He's incredible. It's cool. Were yeah. you doing this? Were you doing podcasting yeah. that long ago? I've been doing it for 17 years. That's amazing. Yeah. How does yeah. it feel? Um, uh, Pretty wild. Do you feel like you made it? No. Uh, and I think that's fun. And mm. I think that's cool. And I like, I, I, I mean, we chase something new every day. And at the end of the day, it's all about the conversations we have. And mm. I'm lucky. Like, I am very much a collection of the people I've talked to. And, mm. and that is more than just the interviews we do. But like, you know, for 10 years, we were on... At like 80 something different radio stations all across America every night. Like Crazy. we had the biggest pop night show. I mean, you know, like next to this lady, Delilah, sure. who was on hot AC, it was us. Sure. And, um, we, you know, I, t we talked to a bunch of people every day, like just normal people from every different walk of life. And, uh, yeah, I'm very much a collection of everybody I've talked to. So yeah. I'm really lucky. And I don't know, we find new audience and new people discover us every day, but also at the same time, like we re we rekindle relationships with people who have interacted with us on the radio, who find us on TikTok or YouTube or yeah, yeah. Amazon Music. Yeah, it's cool. I, you know, That's made amazing. it no, but like figuring it out every day to just yeah. be lucky enough to keep doing it. Fuck yeah. Yeah, it's uh, very cool. Uh, thanks. Yeah. It's like, you know, I did this to start making friends because I didn't have any <laughs> friends, literally. So no, you didn't. I swear to God. What was your first, um, was it a podcast or was it like a radio thing that you first did? I started a radio show from my bedroom, mm -hmm. but on the internet. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would work for like two internet radio startups after that. Mm -hmm. And then I worked for Nickelodeon for a little bit. Wow. And then I started an FM radio show. That's where I met Dan. Wow. And then 10 years later, we would come here to Amazon. But like I made my first friends ever, like as like people that I met through the show, like, mm -hmm. you know, my, my best friends in life, like my first real friends, like, yeah. like, yeah, I had friends like in middle school or whatever, but like sophomore year, freshman year of high school, like mm. I met like Ariana Grande and like Liz Gillies and no they, way. yeah, they teach me what friendship is and we're still so friends cool. today. That's yeah. Like cool. I met my first friends through this. Crazy. Yeah, you guys have known each other for 10 years. Maybe a little uh, longer now. 12 now. Wow. You must love each other. It's uh, really nice. <laughs> It's really nice. <laughs> <to scratch. laughs> no, I mean, we figure it out together, and I don't, you know, at the end of the day, if it it's not broken, mm. why, why fix it? Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, I don't know. I'm we're really lucky, and I don't know, thanks for asking. Nobody really nobody asked about us. <laughs> um, no, it's interesting because you're just like I guess we take for granted that you guys are just these voices that pop up and like entertain and educate us and mad that it's like been such a long journey you know fuck yeah thank yeah, you it's very cool and uh here's to another another 16 or 17 crack it cracking a, a ice cold celsius <laughs> with the lady cheers yeah <laughs> any easy back to you are you, you sponsored by celsius no i wish <laughs> no, just free advertising <laughs> really, someone needs to sort that out clip this clip yeah. this and send it to you're me. giving away such free it's advertising it's disgraceful <laughs> it's so fucked up it really is uh, um okay what this is a part of a larger story. Okay, this, back to you. Yeah, genuinely back Sorry. to you because I didn't know that this EP, or what are we calling it? We're calling it a volume. Okay, okay. Oh, how artistic. So volume one of how many volumes? Oh, Zach, I'm trying to be mysterious, okay? We're just, I'm also trying to figure it out. So I'm going to go, yeah. So we're going volume one, this side of the year, to, to be continued. 
Yeah. Sick. Mm. Of an album. Yeah. But are all the volumes technically done from this hundred or are you still going? No, I'm still going. I don't know if it'll ever be done. It's mad because I've never made an album. So I think there's like a new um, control freak and like unable to finish anything-ness about me with this. Um, which is why just splitting up into volumes makes sense. And also, <laughs> um, no, no, there is like an artistic reason for it too. There is like, uh, there, there is an arc to it all. And like, I want to like start with these kind of songs that are quite melancholic and sad and like lonely girl vibes and like reconnect with fans as well. Because when you've been on support, such big support tours for like a few years, you're like trying to figure out who's, who's there and who's listening. So I want to use like just breaking it up just to like reconnect Smart. with people, I think. I like that. Yeah, it's the plan. Uh, and uh, it, it like people will make the case. Oh, nobody listens to albums anymore. Whatever, whatever. It gives them something to digest. You know, it, like in tinier little increments. But I also in the so. same breath, I do. Pe- I do believe people still listen to albums and they like stories. Yeah, exactly. I, they really crave connection, and I don't know. You give that to them. I think I think albums are really important, which is why I want it to be known as an album and not like three different projects. It's all going to be very much so part of one project because. I don't know, my favorite artists release albums. I think when you think about milestones and your favorite artists' careers, it's by albums, you know? So, totally. yeah, I think it's still important. It is true. Like, yeah. the, those eras are marked by those albums. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It is very important. Yeah. And, and I, I also think, like, if you look historically, those artists who don't release albums and they're single-driven, hmm. maybe the ones that have a harder time selling a ticket because there's less to latch onto. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I guess so. I think, I know for me as like a fan and as a consumer, I just, albums are great. You can stick it on. It also defines your time in your life. Like the amount of different albums, like, you know, the first Lord album or, you know, Fearless <laughs> or like, you know, the first time, like all of those albums, I can take me back to a time. So I think they are important chapters, not only for the artist, but for like the fan as well. So, yeah. Who are you sending records to? Like Taylor Swift co-signing uh, Vertigo, right? She co-signed? Yeah, that was crazy. Did you know that was happening? No, it was so crazy. Honestly, every time I like have an interaction with Taylor, it, like I, f- I, f- I turn into like the most infant version of myself. I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. Um, no, I was like, I was sitting at the dinner table uh, with my family and I was like, I'm just going to have to excuse myself. Like, I wasn't really on my phone and my manager was like, I don't think Sarah's seen this yet. I like open my phone and there's all these text messages. And then I like had to like go to the next room and just scream for a second. <laughs> it's crazy. It's really sweet of her. What is this like for your parents? Uh, <laughs> Does your mom understand yet? <laughs> You've seen the videos. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think so. It's funny. I think with her, like her upbringing so vastly different, like Asian culture, immigrant parent, um, born in a war, came over to the UK, like her life and her language is like survival. So pop culture is like so far from her. So um, when everyone's like, oh my God, your mum doesn't really understand what's going on. I'm like, nah, but it's, it's cool. Like, I think that's like the beauty of generation difference. It's oh like she sacrificed all this so then I could like do this, which is amazing. And there's a lot of it she won't understand, but it's cool. <laughs> and, and by the way, like, that your mom's upbringing is really wild yeah. and the way she views the world and even her act of service mm, yeah it's quite is amazing. really special yeah yeah she's pretty cool she um yeah i think she just knows how to like give and how to love and i think her faith is a huge part of that and so yeah it's it's been cool to grow up around for sure does faith still play a, a part in your life yeah it does yeah 
You yeah, remember Hillsong, right? Um, I wouldn't say that, no. Um, growing up, I've, I've been in many churches. It was just like, go to local church. Um, and then now I think, I think with anything, it's like a journey. Everyone's figuring it out. No answers. Um, but I do feel very blessed. And I do owe a lot, I think, to my faith, for sure. As to like where I'm at and how I process life, for sure. Yeah. I, I, by the way, like, it's not... It, collective energy, the idea in something larger, the idea that, like, not... Do you believe, like... It, and I do find this very interesting. The difference between... Luck, talent, timing. Mm. There is a collection of all of it in what it takes to even get here right now, mm. right? Or is it, or is it attributed to faith and genuine? Like, what is it? Do you ever ask yourself how and why? Uh, yeah, of course. I try not to. Um, I think I just find most peace, uh, not putting too much pressure on myself and just going, Lord, like if this is gonna be a thing, great. And if not, you have peace. I think that it helps me really kind of digest everything you know special yeah i think you you i think especially as like being an artist is quite unnatural i don't think any of us are built to um think about ourselves all the time and sell yourself all the time and be so self-centered i guess and so i think faith is a huge way of knowing that you're part of something bigger than yourself for sure gives peace to things that you can really get lost in or overthink i think so yeah yeah, it's a real thing, for sure, for me, yeah. By the way, all of Griff's music is waiting for you. The whole catalog is on Amazon Music. Click, click, click. There's a link waiting. <laughs> what are you thinking? Uh, early on, you said you grew up in like a middle-class British white town. Mm -hmm. What was it like growing up there? Like, did you feel like you fit in or did you feel like an outcast? No, God, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you definitely feel like an outcast. I mean, we were like the... There's, there's lots of layers to why you feel like an outcast. I think if you speak to like even just being mixed race is like quite a funny thing because there's two cultures coming together. So you don't, um, you don't feel like you belong to any culture really. Um, and also just physically you look so different and beauty standards are so different. And um, so, yeah, that was definitely a, a really like big part of my experience, even in school and stuff for sure. Yeah. Strange. <laughs> Have you learned to like embrace, like when you go home, do you feel, does it feel different now or do you still feel that way when you're back home? Um, no, I've learned to embrace it. Um, but uh, it's definitely like, a, yeah, it's been a big thing. I think it's why I really fell in love with London and even making music in London. It was like, it was such stupid, re not stupid revelations, but like crazy revelations to just even sit on the tube in London at the age of 10 and go, oh, like there are people that look like me or like, oh, Afro hair is like a natural thing. And like, you know. It's crazy because it was just all, all I saw was like, you know, fair, white. People. People. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's strange. If going to London has to change your perspective and everything. Yeah, it was amazing. I think it did, did save me a lot. Like, because, yeah, you just do feel, I mean, girls are mean, kids are mean, you know, it's like, so I think, and, and as a kid, you just want to belong so desperately. And um, there's literally nothing you can do to change or like ethnicity so um I think I just really had to dig deep and like figure out how to like yeah I guess love myself um and I think songwriting and being an artist has been a big part of that it's like helped me embrace it a lot more yeah is it wild to think that this all started off of your brother's laptop <laughs> yeah it's funny because how like 
how the laptop works as well. It still says like Luke Griffiths as when I sign in. It's so stupid. I'm like, I should really just get like a new account now, um, which is my brother's name. Um, but yeah, no, I don't know. It's cool. I, d- I never thought too much about it when it was happening. and I still try not to, but I guess it did all just come from that. Yeah. You're still using that laptop? Yeah. Well, you know, you upgrade laptops, but the, all the account and the like software changeover is the yeah, same. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's it's still like <laughs> his phone fingerprints <laughs> are still all over it, which is great. Yeah. I'd like the amount of times I'd like scream. I'd be like, Luke, why is the reverb not working? Or like, how do I make my voice sound nicer? Or like, you know, how do I record the drums? Or where are the kick drums in the program? Like it was, it, it was very like chaotic, I think, learning. But it was fun. <laughs> All of Griff's music is waiting for you. It's on Amazon Music. Click the link in the description below. What are you thinking, Dan? Uh, what's the story you posted about recently on TikTok? Like the house that you were talking about that you rented was the house that Taylor Swift wrote Clean in? Yeah, crazy. Um, There's a photo of her? Yeah, so it's it's this amazing roundhouse. And um, I get there and there's a studio down at the bottom. And uh, there wasn't really like much footage. Um, footage, there wasn't much like pictures or anything in the studio but on the shelf was a photo of Imogen Heap because it was Imogen Heap's house and Taylor Swift <laughs> and um, I don't know why I'm such that a big fan it. of both of them and I didn't realise Imogen Heap wrote clean with her until I also the Grammy was on the shelf and I was like clean Imogen Heap I was like oh my gosh <laughs> and then now when you go back and listen to clean you, you can hear Imogen all over it it's like amazing um, so I like to think that was my like good luck token that helped me write Vertigo Imogen's incredible Insane. What do you take from her? Is it layering? Is it? I and mean, what are you learning and applying to your own music? Um. Gosh, so much. I think also, yeah, she is a bit of a pioneer for like female engineering and producing. Oh, yeah. Um. Her melodies are insane. Her layering and harmonizing is insane. Um. Her production and her grooves—they're just unusual. I think she does like she makes quite beautiful ethereal but unusual music it's like the grooves are strange or the synth patterns are strange and it comes together to make something that feels like new you know so yeah i listen to her a lot she's amazing insane yeah really cool insane i know have you ever spoken to her or met her uh i have met her she's never been on the show okay let's make it happen yeah i would love that there's a couple people that i've been thinking about that we need to get on who do you want tell us who's on the top five um oh top five make it a call out come on yeah i Rihanna. <laughs> that would be great. I really want Barack Obama on the show. <gasps> I feel like he'd be up for it. I Maybe. From, from you know, because I know. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, right? we're tired. <laughs> Literally never. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. I just kind of get the vibe that he'd be down. Yeah. Fingers and toes. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, there's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to put any pressure out okay, there. Okay, no. no. Sorry, right. sorry, sorry. I wouldn't know who they are. I've, we've never talked about it. Do you guys it? not talk about this? No. Clearly. Do you not have like the goal? You know, like um, Amelia on Chicken Shop Date, her goal is like Drake. Oh, she, she, she'll get Drake. Yeah, no. well, yeah, yeah, but that's her whole thing. So, like, is that not a thing here? Well, is it not the like one, the goal is this? Person? The goal is Barack Obama. That's the one we okay, have discussed. Great. We okay, would great. love to have Barack Obama. Cool. Yeah, we talk about him all the time. Yeah, cool. It's like a manifestation thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, Zach, it's wants, happen. Zach wants Sasha and Malia too, but I don't think they would ever do it. Yeah. That's, Wait, am I super ignorant? Uh, Obama's oh, daughters. Oh. Yeah, first daughters. Forgive me. But by the way, they hang out all over LA. Do they? Yeah, like I've been, I've like been at like very low key places with them, and I'm just like, I can't, I don't even say anything. That's I just cool. can't even, I, I can't even process. I'm in the yeah. same area as them. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it's like weird, like weird, weird pieces of 
weird American fixtures. Yeah, I know that is a thing here. It's like there's so many famous people everywhere. It's really strange. <laughs> you walk into a place and you're like, oh my god, everyone is someone here in LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so funny, but not. Everyone yeah. thinks they're somebody, so they give off that air. Yeah, so then it's like really confusing. I know it's super weird, and I think it's like very counter um, being British because it like being British is very like understated and like oh, you totally. don't boast or talk about anything you know everything has to be quite self-deprecating if anything so it's like <laughs> really strange coming here and everyone's someone you're like wow that's why i love london different. yeah london's the best like city it? yeah it's my favorite city oh. next next to new york city yeah yeah it makes sense it is i want to get a place there i want to live there you have to i love it i love it <sighs> you live there yeah home yeah so home? i just moved out of home which is yeah congratulations i know pretty huge so now i'm adulting that Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. That's bigger than people think. Yeah, it's pretty huge. It's, it's been a bit of like chaotic summer, like moving out of home and touring and stuff. Cool. I've, have you like actually spent time alone in your house? Yeah, it's cool. Like, like for like weeks or just days? Yeah, I've done like days, maybe a couple of weeks at, at max. It's, okay. only, it's literally only been like a month or two. Um, but yeah, now I've got to think of like, you know, like dishes and well I've already always had to think about dishes but like you know bills and like <laughs> towels towels you know like toilet and paper like, and stuff yeah yeah like laundry hangers and yeah it's fun I guess every, you got everything <laughs> everything yeah yeah also I like I have an overachiever complex so I think I like in my head I think I can just get the interior going and it's just gonna look great and then I keep ordering crazy things off Marketplace and it doesn't go and I don't measure anything and everything's out of proportion. Nothing's comfortable. It's like, it's not going down that great so far, but I'll get that. You'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah, I'll get that. Yeah. I believe in you. Thank you. I look forward to coming over. Yeah, yeah, you can come over. I've got, at the moment, I've got like one giant sofa and one tiny one because I just didn't think to measure. Okay, sick. Yeah, so we're really figuring things out on the go, yeah. yeah the yeah. visual I have in my, my head is like very wild. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. There's nothing matches. It's strange. Cool. Yeah. I mean, from that, you'll find an aesthetic. I think so, yeah. I know, I just, I didn't really want to do the whole Pinterest board thing because it just felt a little bit like, I don't know, like millennial and boring. It felt like I was accepting a boring new life. So now I don't have any vision. I'm just like <laughs> buying as I go, you know? <laughs> yeah, anyway. But from there, vision will come. I think so. Yeah, yeah. When you come over, it's going to be a whole thing. It's going to be great. I'm excited. It's going to feel like an architectural digest. That's... Yeah. Yeah. I won't be filming, yeah. but like, I, like <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, you're invited. Thank you. Yeah. Griff's music playing for you, by the way. Link in the description below. Go, 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 go. And then when the the like the EP comes, it's not an EP. When volume one comes, geez. Okay. Are they all going to be titled the same thing? Volume one, volume Blank two. Blank volume one. Blank volume two. Yeah, just volume three, volume four. So is it Vertigo volume one? Yeah. And then it will be Vertigo, Vertigo volume, volume two. two. Got it. Link in the description below. It's all on Amazon Music. <laughs> Thoughts, Dan? This is just a comment. You know it was really cool when you did that? I don't know if you do it at a lot of your performances, but the uh, you dance with the mirror version of yourself. Yeah. How sick was that? Thanks. How'd you yeah. come up with that? That was funny. It always goes down quite well. Uh, how did I come up with it? Well, it was kind of around my song One Night and the idea of like dancing with your shadow. And then we made it a physical thing. And I don't know. I've always been a bit like terrified of doing choreo, to be honest, because you just don't want to like look bad. Um, so I like kept it to a very short segment in the song where my mirror dancer comes on, but yeah, it's fun. It was very fun doing it at Glastonbury. Everyone went crazy. So nice. are you just like dancing with a video of yourself? No, it's like no, a, no, no. Uh, you can explain it. I don't know why the fuck I'm talking. Yeah, yeah, you you It's um, it's like a dancer who comes on, but she's just kind of faceless and she's got the same hair, you know, like the hair. Oh, sick. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I'll show you after. It's quite oh, fun. that's very I'll cool. I'll teach you the dance. Maybe we can do it together. I mean, that's... Yeah. It's a cool thing. I don't know if I move like that. I'm sure you do. Depends. I'm sure your hips don't lie. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> honestly, they may tell a few lies. I don't know. <laughs> Have you had to learn to embrace being an opener? Like, because you know, not everyone's there to see you, but it's a lot of people watching you. Like, how do you even tackle that? Oh, yeah. You make peace with that very early on. It's funny because it's like... Um, it's, a, it's such an amazing thing because it's like the most people I'm ever going to perform in front of. Oh, don't say that. Well, no, in the sense that like, you know, Coldplay is probably the biggest you get. You're right. You're yeah, you do you know that. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So it's like 100,000 <laughs> people is kind of as yeah, yeah. big as it gets. So like, that's really cool. But then you're also so acutely aware that it's like 100,000 people that want to hear like, fix you, you know, and not black <laughs> hole. <laughs> so it's like, you're really trying to win people over. Um, but it's fine. I think you approach it differently. Like I cut all the slow songs make it fun, sing a bit Whitney Houston, get people dancing. Like my only, my only job really is to just like get people pumped up and like warmed up. But then in, in, in turn, they'll be invested in you, you know? Hopefully. Right? Yeah. Like that'll be a bonus. Um, so yeah, it's more just like sing, get people excited, have a good time, get off. It's not my stage in a great way. Yeah. And then enjoy the actual show. You know, it's quite nice. Yeah. And it's low pressure. Cause if you, if you do mess up, it's like, oh, it's fine. No one paid to see me. And then if it goes well, it's like, oh, great. I maybe gained a few more fans tonight, you know? Yeah. That's the right attitude. I think so. Yeah. We'll eventually go on our own tour. Yeah. 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 I'm playing some shows. I don't know when this is going to come out. Playing some like small intimate shows this side of the year and then touring continues next year properly. Yeah. Link in the description below for all of it. And if you want to listen to Griff's music, it's there too. All of it on Amazon Music. Final thoughts? I think we covered a lot here. A lot of ground. Thank you, guys. Come back when the rest of the volumes hit. Oh, my God, I'd love to. Our show is always here for you. Thank you so much. This hey, has been really fun. No, you're incredible. Thank you, guys. Thanks for your time and energy today. Thank you. Appreciate you. Have fun with Jacob Collier. I mean, maybe we'll run into him in the hallway. Yeah, that'd be great. Griff, everybody. See ya. It's the Zach Sang Show.